0: Bible, John chapter 1 and verses 35 through 51, and we're going to continue a series we started a few weeks ago on New Testament soul winners. New Testament soul winners are great soul winners of the Bible, and uh, we're looking in the New Testament at men uh, that God used uh, to share the truth of Christ and who He was, and we're talking about Philip tonight. And as we think of Philip, we learn about the most worthwhile work in all the world. The most worthwhile work in all the world. In John chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 35 through verse 51. And I think you'll notice that as we've been looking at these soul winners, these that were sharing Christ, it begins to snowball in John 1. We have John preaching who Jesus is, and we have some that followed and followed Jesus and others. And and here we find Philip as well. In verse 35, the Bible says And the next day, after John stood, and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned and saw them following, and said unto them, What seek ye? And they said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? He saith unto them, Come and see. And they came and saw where he dwelt, and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two which heard John speak, and followed him, was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted to Christ. And he brought him to Jesus, and Jesus beheld him and said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. Verse 43, the the day following Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip and saith unto him, Follow me. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip findeth Nathanael, and saith unto him, We have found him, of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? And Philip saith unto him, Come and see. And Jesus saw Nathanael come to him, and saith of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. And Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, When thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathanael answered and saith unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God. Thou art the King of Israel. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. And he saith unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter ye shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascended and descended upon the Son of Man. Let's pray together as we examine, just for a little while tonight, Philip, and the way God would use him. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to examine Scripture again tonight. Lord, as we think about the way that we can... Better share our faith, we examine these men that you used. Lord, just ordinary men, regular men, but men that were used to reach others. Lord, we could go around the room tonight and we could give testimony, all of us, that somebody was responsible for sharing with us the message of the gospel. There are many here tonight that could point to someone in this building and say, that person shared Christ with me. That person brought me to Jesus and told me the gospel. Lord, outside the doors of this building tonight is a big city. About a million people. Lord, most of them have never heard. Lord, all of them need to hear the message of Christ. Lord, my prayer tonight is that you would use us My prayer tonight is that as we look at Philip, that we would realize you can use us and that we'd be yielded. Lord, we thank you for what you've already done this day in our hearts. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us yet again. Lord, help me tonight to share your truth plainly. Lord, I pray you'd take any distractions from my mind and heart tonight that would keep me from effectively sharing your word. Lord, would you meet the needs of every person here? Lord, those that are discouraged, would you encourage them? Those that are struggling, Lord, would they find their victory in you? Lord, if there be one here that knows you not as Savior, Lord, would they see you as the only way, the light of the world as we talked about this morning? Help us, Lord. In your precious name we pray. Amen. We see here in this passage, we continued on, we went back a little bit. To see the gospel going forth, we see John preaching about Christ. We see disciples following. We see one of the disciples went and found his brother, uh, brought Peter to Christ. And then we see that Jesus found Philip. And Philip then would bring Nathanael to Christ. Nathanael, a man who Jesus would say. It wasn't said of him by others. It was said by Jesus, a man in whom is no guile. A man who as soon as Jesus said, I I saw you before, he said, you're the Christ. You're the king of the Jews. A man who was ready to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. But he was brought to Christ by Philip. Philip was enjoying the most worthwhile work in all the world. We have that sequence here in verse 35 through 45 of Philip bringing Andrew, I'm sorry, Nathaniel to Christ. First, we read John and Andrew found the Lord through John the Baptist, and then Andrew found Peter, and Jesus found Philip, and Philip found Nathaniel. As the gospel continues to go forth, as we see these soul winners here in this passage, someone found each of those individuals. And I want to give you some very simple truths tonight about this most worthwhile work in all the world. Number one, the most important. And worthwhile work uh, in the world is seeking the salvation of other people. It's seeking the salvation of other people. There are three tremendous words in verse 45, if you look there with me. Just three simple words, but tremendous words. Philip findeth Nathaniel. Can I tell you how significant those three words were for Nathanael? Can I tell you how significant it was that somebody brought him to Jesus Christ? Nathaniel was a man of great faith and Jesus told him, hey, you're going to see some amazing things. But first, the Bible tells us there that Philip findeth Nathaniel. Think about it tonight for yourself. Think about that one that shared Christ with you. I've heard several testimonies of folks in the room. I think... Pick on Brother Mike for a minute. Brother Mike tells a story of how he was invited to go eat hot dogs. Because Brother Mike, the weight of of a man's soul is through his belly. Right, Brother Mike? And uh, Brother Mike was a a religious man. He was devout from a devout religious family. But he didn't have the gospel. And somebody said, hey, once you come, we're going to have hot dogs at our church. And Brother Mike said, man, I love hot dogs. I'll be there. Uh, through coming to eat some hot dogs He got the truth of the gospel He also found a wife You know that was kind of involved there too But the Mike got the gospel Because somebody just invited him Say hey why don't you come out Now I don't know the rest of the story I've heard his testimony But it wasn't the same guy That asked you to come for hot dogs That gave you the gospel Was It was a different guy But that guy that said hey why don't you come Was involved in bringing him to Jesus Christ Now he may not have ever preached the gospel to him he may not have ever sat down and said, hey, let me, let me tell you. Let me help you understand the gospel. But he got him to a place where he could hear the gospel. Amen. Christian, we need to realize the importance of that. The importance of getting people to a place where they can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. I had a phone call a few weeks ago, and it didn't work out with the logistics of the facility. But I had a phone call from Dusty. Dusty's doing good, by the way. Praise the Lord. He's up in Bonneville. But Dusty called me. I guess it's been two months ago. And he hadn't talked to him in a long time. And he said, hey, I'm doing great. He was in a treatment facility out in uh, Lordminster. And he said, hey, I got a question. He said, I'm talking with a bunch of guys here. And he said, I know what they need. But I don't know how to tell them what they need. He said, I just told a man, you need to talk to my pastor. He said, if, if, I, if they'll let you, if they approve you, would you come and talk to these guys? I need you to come talk to them. They, they, need, they need to know what you told me. Now, they didn't approve me to come, but the answer is we need to get people to Jesus Christ, to so that message. And we see here that Philip, he did the most important work in all the world for Nathaniel. He brought him to Jesus Christ. He brought him to a place where he could be in fellowship with the Lord. What a a transformative work. Hold your place here in Acts and turn back to the book of James. James chapter 5. Near the end of the New Testament there. James chapter 5 and verse 19 and 20. Brethren, if any of you do err... From the truth and one convert him. Let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way. Shall save a soul from death. And shall hide a multitude of sins. What a wonderful, wonderful thought. An evangelist once asked himself. What shall I. In a thousand years. Wish that I had done. Spurgeon. Spurgeon once said, even if I were utterly selfish and I had no care for anything but my happiness, I would choose, if I might, to be a soul winner. Mm-hmm. David Brainerd, the great missionary, David Brainerd said, I cared not where or how I lived or what hardship I went through so long as I could but win souls for Christ understand tonight that we may judge the importance of greatness of this work when we remember that Jesus is in heaven but he left heaven and came to Calvary because he said I came to seek and to save those which are lost you and I have the most important worthwhile work in the world and that's seeking the salvation of other people number two the most recently, and I love this, the most recently converted person, the most recently converted person can and should be engaged in the work of soul. One of my favorite gospel conversations in the New Testament, I, I think my favorite conversion in the New Testament, probably without a doubt, is Jesus with the woman at the well. I, I love that. I love it. I love it because I see myself with no hope and nothing to hold up to Jesus Christ. And yet He, the living water, allowed me to receive Him. But that woman at the well, she was not a trained uh, soul winner. Uh, she ha- hadn't even been, been discipled yet. I mean, she, she was still struggling with, you know, you worship here, I worship here. She didn't even know, understand worship even. But when she met Jesus Christ... And she understood he was the life and the water of life. And she believed the Bible says that she left her water pots and she went back to town and she went around saying, hey, you got to come see this guy. This guy told me everything about me. Now understand, we, we know the kind of lady she was. The people in town were like, um, Lady, we all know the kind of woman you are. Now we could all tell you that. But Jesus knew more about her. He knew everything about her because he's the Savior of the world. And that woman who had just believed on the Lord Jesus Christ went and told others. You and I, anybody, can tell others about Jesus Christ. The most recently saved person can tell somebody and be engaged in the work of soul one. In verses 44 through 46 in our text back in the Gospel of John chapter 1, Philip had only just found the Lord. Like Philip didn't find the Lord and say, okay, uh, Rabbi, Master, I'm going to follow you for a while. I'm going to learn about you for a while. And, you know, down the road, maybe, who knows, perchance, I might find somebody else and bring them to you. No. Philip had just been found by the Lord, and then Philip, he went to find somebody else. He went to bring somebody else to Jesus. He didn't lose any time, verses 44 through 46. The Bible says, Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip findeth Nathanael, and saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write Jesus. Of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. You know what I find interesting? Who found Philip? Jesus, right? But it tells us after that Jesus found Philip. It says Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Now Andrew and Peter had already come to Christ. He's from the same city. We're not talking about. You know, multiple, multiple hundreds of thousands of people. Most likely, they already knew him, but Jesus found him. I wonder how many people that we could find, how many people we could reach that we never reach. But we see here that Philip, after the Lord found them, that he went immediately and got involved in finding Nathaniel. We who know forgiveness. The Bible says where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. I have a dear friend who's an evangelist. His name's Rob Hicks. Rob's just a a wee little guy in a powerhouse of a preacher. Before Rob and his wife got saved, they were drunks and drug addicts. They would get drunk and do drugs in their trailer they lived in in the south in the southern U.S. I think it was was Alabama, I think. And they'd get high and they'd go and get guns and shoot at each other and try to kill each other. Sounds like a real stable home relationship, right? On more than one occasion, he told me that they would be so drunk and so high on drugs... And so paranoid from the drugs that they go and get guns and literally shoot at each other and try to kill each other inside their own house. I mean, they were a mess. Someone invited them to come to a gospel preaching church and amazingly, they went. They got saved. Rob told me the first thing he did when he got saved, he went home that night and went around his house all of his holdout alcohol that he hid from his wife so his wife wouldn't drink it. place he had hiding places for his alcohol and his drugs. He went to find it and throw it away at the same time. He said his wife went around the house and found all her hiding places. They got rid of her drugs and her alcohol. Now, just days before, we're talking about people who, as you and I would say, man, their life was a mess. And it was. Why? Because Jesus wasn't involved. Any life without Jesus is a mess. But where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. You know what happened not long after Brother Rob got saved? People saw him and said, man, something happened to you. Man, you're not even doing drugs. You're not even drunk. Uh, You haven't even shot at your wife this week. What's going on, man? I got saved. Can I tell you that He had a testimony. Let me tell you what God's done for me. We don't have to shoot at our spouse. Maybe we do need to. No, we don't have to shoot at our spouse to have a testimony of the grace of God. The fact is, every one of us, before we trusted Christ, we were in a mess because we were on our way to hell. Not because of some individual sin we've committed, but because we had the sin of unbelief. And when we get saved... We have the message of peace and forgiveness that we can immediately share with other people. Number three thought tonight the most powerful tool, the most powerful tool that God uses in most, not all, in most sinners' salvation is the personal testimony of believers. The personal testimony of believers. The Bible speaks about the power of our testimony overcoming in the book of Revelation. Can I tell you who was, had the ability to share Christ with folks in the same mess that he was involved in was Rob. I used to have a soul winning partner. He's in heaven now. I'm surprised he didn't go to a heaven uh, the night that we were soul winning together one time when I was a teenager, I'd go out with him. Matter of fact, I believe it was last Sunday, Sunday afternoon, I shared the picture of the, the Bible with the, the names in it, the young people I led to Christ, those first few folks. Probably the story I'm going to tell you that night, most likely I had that Bible in my hand. My soul-winning partner, when I was a teenager, he was much older than myself. He was, uh, he was in his 30s. That's really old. and uh, I knew his family, his his baby brother was 2 years younger than me and going to school with me his name was Butch and brother Butch and his older brother had lived a pretty rough life they were involved in some of the same things that my friend brother Rob was involved in he got saved yeah. one night he and i were out soul winning together and we did i didn't live in a big city like this i lived out in the country uh, we, we don't have big cities in my part of West Virginia there's not any real big cities in West Virginia period and you know here we'll go out and uh, yesterday where's Eshin? Uh hiding somewhere yesterday I had Ihan go out and get out flyers in the community he went a few blocks and got a bunch of fly a bunch of invitations out quickly you can't do that where I'm from in West Virginia uh, you got to drive out a holler and you know, drive up a driveway and fight off all the dogs and work your way to the door and step over the chickens and knock on the door and then you get back in the car, drive down the road, down the holler, out another holler and cross a creek and, you know, house to house is a little different than door to door here. And we were driving out a windy country road with nothing. And we turned out a place I'd never been on that road and as we came out, it opened up into a clearing, and there's a big metal Quonset, big metal Quonset building. And outside that Quonset building was probably 50 or 60 Harley Davidson motorcycles. And even as a 14, 15 year old kid, I knew where we were. Butch looked at me and he said, Hey, he said, uh, we're going to go share the gospel with the Hells Angels. And I thought to myself, that does not sound like a good idea. <laughs> he said, I know, I, know, I know a lot of these guys before I got saved. And I grabbed my Bible like my shield. <laughs> and we walked inside that room, that big Kwanzaa building. And they were having a meeting. I mean, I don't know, there might have been 100 people there, 60, 70. And we walked in, and, man, you could hear a pin drop. As all those guys looked at me and Butch. I was a teenage kid, maybe 15 years old. And Butch, from the corner of that Kwanzaa, we walked in and said, Hey, fellas, you know me. I'm Butch Remy. And eyes got about that big. And he said, I "I used to be here. I I used to do things with a lot of you men. He said, but I want you to know that I got saved. He said, I came here tonight because I want to tell you about Jesus. I was ready for the guns to come out. (laughs) I was ready for us to be gunned down and buried in a shallow grave at another holler somewhere. But you know those men let Butch that night share the gospel with him? Now, had I walked in that building by myself as a 15-year-old kid and said, Hey, fellas, I'm Brian Rice. I'm here to tell you about Jesus. I'd be buried in a shallow grave out in the hollers of West Virginia. But he had a testimony that was powerful that caused them to listen. Can I tell you, Christian, you have a testimony that God can use to get others to Jesus Christ? if we're willing to let God use that testimony, we see here that Philip allowed his testimony to be used. The Lord, by the way, always uses His Word. Always. You can't be born again without the Word, the seed, to produce the miracle of conversion. We see that in Psalm 19, 7, 1 Corinthians 1, 21. But very often, very often, the very first contact or impression made on a soul towards listening to hearing Jesus Christ is made because of a personal testimony of a Christian. In verse 45 in our text, it says, But Philip findeth Nathanael, and saith unto him, We found him. We found him. Of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. We see the testimony here was informal. He said, hey, man, i gotta, I got to tell you something. Uh, he didn't write a, a three-page speech and stand up on, in front of him and say, may I may I say some big fla- flowery words to you? He said, man, let me tell you what happened. We found him. His testimony, by the way, was informed. It indicates there in verse 45, Philip Philip knew this man. Philip knew Nathaniel Uh he knew the scriptures. Uh, he knew that Nathaniel knew the scriptures. He drew upon what Nathaniel was looking for and pointed him to Jesus Christ. By the way, just as Jesus did with the woman at the well, when he said, Hey, if you knew who I was, you'd ask water of me. That you could have eternal life. That you might have that living water. By the way, the testimony was infectious. It's evident in verse 45 that Philip was passionate in his appeal to Nathaniel. He meant business. He meant business. He, no doubt when he spoke, uh, his eyes lit up. He was excited about it. How many of you have ever had to, and I use the word had to because nobody uh, naturally wants to. How many of you ever had to work in sales? Some of you enjoyed it. Some of you look back at the, the worst moments of your entire life. My wife is not a sales, sales, she's not a salesman at all. She's not a man of any kind, uh, but she's not a saleswoman. She, she, she couldn't sell she couldn't sell a life jacket to a drowning person. That, that's my wife's selling ability. But for a while before we got married, my wife was a telemarketer. You know, the people that all of us hate with all of our heart and passion. Uh, she sold insurance for a credit card. Man, don't you hate those people? And I, I could be wrong. We haven't talked about it much, but I'm guessing that they weren't looking to pr- promote her because she was such a great salesperson. I, I could be wrong. I'm sure she was a hard worker. She's not a great salesperson. It, it would probably go something like this. I'm so sorry to call you. I know you probably don't want this. <laughs> That's how most of us would sell, right? I, I, I know you're not interested. John tomorrow goes into work, and you know okay. he's there to sell cars. And uh, brother Randolph looking for a new car. He's not, but if he was, and he walks in, and he comes to John and says, uh, "Yeah, I'm looking for a new car." And John says, "Yeah, you, you probably don't want anything here. Yeah, you probably won't like our cars. You probably won't want it." No, he's not going to do that. He said, "Man." Have I got a car for you? You'd look good in that. Yeah, come on, come with me. Man, just, 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 just get behind the wheel. I, I know, just sit just behind the wheel. Let, let me take a picture. I'll send it to your wife. Oh, yeah, you look good. That looks good on you. I don't know how to sell either, but John does. And, you know, man, you'd want to find a way to get them. You know, why is it? We understand that in the sales world. Now, the gospel's not for sale. I love when I go to a house and they point to the sign that says no soliciting. I said, look, I'm not selling anything. I'm giving stuff away. Uh, I'm not soliciting. But I have something better than anybody in the whole world has. And it's free. And we go, yeah, you, you probably don't want one of these, do you? Yeah, that's what I thought. Uh, You probably don't want this. Uh, You probably don't want to hear about Jesus, do you? I praise God that Philip was passionate about telling Nathaniel about Jesus Christ. Our testimony needs to be passionate. It needs to be infectious. If we would just give our testimony, if we just share with folks what God has done, God could use that number five, or number four, I guess we are, The most effective way, as you're sharing Christ, the most effective way of meeting objections is for the one we're trying to win to come and see for himself. Now, we'll see this played out in verse 46. We have Philip, he finds Nathanael, we found him. This is him. And what was the response? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Here's what we would have said. Okay, I'm sorry. Have a nice day. Oh, you're not interested. That's fine. But what did he say? He said, I'll tell you what, Nathaniel. Why don't you come see for yourself? The Bible says, taste and see. That the Lord, he's good. If you can just get folks to see Jesus if we can just get folks to see the truth of the word of God. I believe Nathaniel was a thinker. He was a sincere or honest doubter. I think Philip knew that. I think Philip knew him. And Philip knew that if he could just get Nathaniel to meet with Jesus, if he would just come and see, that his objections would be thrown away as we can just get people to Christ. John 8, 25 says, basically, or John 9, 25, just come see for yourself. Come and see. Christian, as we receive objections, understand objections when we're sharing Christ are not objections, attacks upon us. There are roadblocks keeping people from getting to Jesus Christ. We see Philip here basically just said, hey, he didn't argue with them. He didn't say, man, there's a lot of good people from Nazareth. What do you mean? Why, why you got to be like that? Why you got to say things like that? Why you got to be so argumentative? As he would argue. He didn't argue with them. By the way, never argue with people. Never once in the Gospels do you see somebody arguing the Gospel ever. hey I I'll sit down and, and discuss the gospel I'll talk to folks but I'm not going to argue with somebody. I'll present the truth. I'll tell them the truth but God didn't call you to argue. God didn't call us to set people straight. God called us to proclaim the truth and Nathaniel said, hey just just come and see come and see number five just a couple more quickly and we'll close here number five the most glorious assurance the most glorious assurance we have as we try to win someone to the Lord is the confidence that Jesus already knows everything about them on more than one occasion when I was ministering in the inner city of Chicago I would try to share the gospel with folks and as I would do so they'd say man you don't know what I've done and they were right I didn't know what they'd done. There were times that I could pick up some clues as to what they'd done. Uh, You know, the tear tattoos down their face. Like, yeah, you killed someone for the Latin King street gang. I I know the Latin King uh, tattoo you have. I know what those two... I knew a few things. But honestly, I didn't know everything they'd done. I don't know everything anybody's done. But God does. When I go to find someone to share Christ, one of the most assuring things is knowing that God already knows everything about them. If Brother Dexter's lost and I go to share Christ with him, and he says, man, you don't know what I've done. I beat my wife every day. I'm trying to sell my son on the black market. Uh, I mean, I do some horrible things. I stole a Tesla. You know, all those things he's done. And he tells me... I said, I said, you know what, I don't need to know that. I don't want to go to jail with you. But I could say, hey, God knows everything about you. And yet he said, I love you so much that I'm willing to die. I love when Nathaniel came to the Lord, the Lord said, hey, I know you. Because he knows all about all of us. And that's an assurance and a confidence as I go to tell people about Christ There's nobody that is the wrong person to give the message of the gospel. Nobody. There's not a wrong person that I can share the gospel with. God knows about every person. We see that in verse 47 and verse 48. Soul winning work is not primarily man's work. It's God's work. Our portion is just telling. Just telling. Number six two more quick thoughts number six the most thrilling moment that can come to us is when the person we are dealing with confesses the Lord as Savior verse 49 imagine this Philip brings Nathaniel to Jesus and Philip I believe is standing there listening to the conversation and Philip would have heard these words with his own ears as it came out of Nathanael's mouth to Jesus Christ, Nathanael answered and said unto him, Rabbi or Master, Thou art the Son of God. Thou art the King of Israel. Can I tell you what he was saying? I confess you're the Messiah. Amen. It's exactly what he was saying. Nathaniel said, "I believe in who you are. you are the Messiah, you are the Christ. Philip got to witness Nathaniel confess the Lord as the Messiah as his the Savior. There's no more wonderful thing to being able to bring someone to Jesus Christ as they confess the Lord as their Savior. We can be that little link in the chain. The Bible says that one, You know, we sow the seed, one waters, but it's God that gives the increase. And here, Philip got to be a part. He got to be a part of the work of sowing the seed, part of watering. And God gave the increase, and Philip got a witness that increase as we see Nathaniel proclaiming Christ. Lastly, number seven here. The most encouraging incentive. To win others is that the Lord has a glorious purpose for that person. Look at verse 15 and 51. The last two verses of chapter 1. And Jesus answered and said unto him. Because I said unto thee, I saw the end of the fig tree. Believest thou? Now understand. He had just said, you're the Messiah. I, I believe in you. He put his faith back quick in Christ. Jesus went on to say, Thou shalt see greater things than these. And he saith unto him, This is to, not to Philip, this is to Nathaniel. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter you shall see heaven opened, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. When we set out to share Christ with someone, we have no idea We have no idea how God might use that person for his glory. Because understand, our purpose, your purpose and my purpose, is all the same. My life is to bring glory to God in all things. I'm to give thanks in all things. I'm to give him glory in all things. And God is the one who writes the script, who has the purpose for my life and for yours. We don't write that script. Brother Mackay, the pastor's in B.C., they started a ministry called the the John 3.16 story. We We had some of their tracks back there, and basically in that message, the message of the gospel, they have little short videos that they use, and we're going to, this summer, in 2024, do a... Uh, a big push to get an evangelistic campaign to get several thousands, multiple thousand uh, pieces of literature out here in our community uh, during one weekend. The material basically uh, that they produce, it talks about how God is the one who is the author of our story. And he is. So often we try to write our own story. So often we try to make the plans of our life, but it's God, not us, who's the author of our story. And when we yield to the author, when we believe in him, it's amazing what God can do. But can I tell you, you and I have no idea what God will do with someone that we share Christ with. I don't have the slide from last week, but those of you that here last Sunday afternoon, you saw the just a page from a Bible I had as a teenager. I shared with a few names and dates some young people that I got to share Christ with as a a young teenager. One of the names in that list is Jeremy McKnight. Jeremy was from, I believe Proctorville, Ohio. A church there that sent kids to a Christian camp that I went to work at. I gave the gospel to him. That night that he got saved, he wrote his name there, my Bible. I believe it was that week. It may have been a year later. But I remember when Jeremy, not long after he trusted Christ, surrendered to preach the gospel. I don't know what God has done with his life. But I know that there is no limit to what God can do. And you and I have no idea of the impact that somebody will have for the Lord Jesus Christ. The impact that we might have. Verse 50 and 51, we see that. We may one day be winning a Charles Spurgeon, a Hudson Taylor, or a David Livingston to Christ. But what matters is we should try to win everybody. We should try to tell everybody. Share a story quickly here and we'll close I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand but if I did I'm sure all of us would have our hand up how many times have you been convicted to share your faith with somebody and you argued with God about it I have I wish I could say that's only happened once in my life but I'd be lying if I said that but I remember a very very, very specific time that I was being rebellious, that I was not yielded to the Holy Spirit. I was standing out on Lawrence Avenue, Lawrence and Foster, half a block off Foster on Lawrence Avenue, Chicago. I was waiting for some teenage girls that were getting ready to come down to get on our church bus in Chicago. The bus had taken off, was coming back about 20 minutes later. This was back before cell phones. You know, when Elizabeth was in college and the bus ministry, they just called, called and wake the kids up. That's, that's wimpy bus ministry. In the good old days, we had to go inside the building, knock on the door, get inside, wake the kids up, uh, bring the bus back. Now they're a bunch of wimps. But uh, I was waiting outside this building. Uh, I'd gone up. The people were getting ready. I had about 20 minutes to wait for the bus to come back. And as I was standing there, I looked down the street, and coming down the sidewalk was a man that, a wild-looking man is the best way I can describe it, just a, he looked like a lion, <laughs> he was a big man, probably 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, mountain of a man, and just a hair kind of matted, it almost looked like the mane of a lion, like his it was hard to tell where his face, his hair, and his beard just kind of was all one big mat. He was a homeless man, a big, scary-looking homeless man. Now, you have to understand, I grew up in the farmland of West Virginia. I didn't grow up around homeless people. I didn't grow up around drugs and alcohol and gangs and all of that. I was pretty new to that world, and I saw this guy came coming down the sidewalk, and I remember thinking immediately, I should try to, because sh- I remembered, I, had tw- I was thinking, I've got 20 minutes. And I saw this guy coming down the sidewalk and I remember thinking, I should share the gospel with this guy. And I also remember thinking, Brother well, Bonnie, I don't want to share the gospel with this guy. And I formulated a plan. He was coming right down the sidewalk towards me. I decided, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to walk across the street. I'll walk across the street, let the crazy, wild-looking, you know, lion man pass. And after he passes, I'll walk back across the street and wait on the girls. And I was in process of going through the motion of doing that. I was starting to walk across the street. Man, I was convicted. Man, you ought to to at least give a gospel tract to this guy. And finally, I said, okay, but that's it, Lord. I'm just going, here you go. <laughs> I'm going to back away uh, before the lion man attacks me. And as the man got close to me, I could smell him before he got to me. And I stopped him, and I pulled out a gospel track from our church. I said, and I simply said, I want to give you this. I said, it'll tell you how much God loves you and how Jesus died for you and how you can know for sure when you die, you're going to heaven. I said, die a couple times. And this giant of a man, this wild-looking, maniac-looking man, out of the little slits where there was no hair, began to weep profusely. He looked at me and told me, he said, I'm on my way to kill myself. He told me the bridge he was walking to, it wasn't far away. He said, I'm on my way to, told me the crossing." He said, I'm on my way to jump off that bridge and kill myself. There's nothing to live for. I sat down on the sidewalk in my suit, him and his clothes, he probably hadn't changed in two months. And we sat down and leaned against the building as I opened the word of God and shared Christ with him. That fellow was gloriously saved. And as we said goodbye, he hugged me. And he thanked me and he began to walk the other way. Now that may not mean anything to you, but as he walked the other way, I realized he's not going to that bridge. He's going back to where he was. I have no idea what happened. His name was Dominic. I'll never forget his name. I have no idea what happened to Dominic. He may have died on the streets of Chicago. I don't know. But I do know that the man who was on his way to take his life heard about Jesus Christ because a very stubborn Christian finally said, okay, God, not because I was concerned about his soul, not because I was a great Christian. I'm like, "Ah, all right. I understand God has a glorious purpose. God has a glorious purpose in you and I sharing Christ. Philip was used in a glorious way. Nathaniel would be used in a glorious way. What matters most is we're all seeking to tell somebody else. I've got a little booklet, a little photo album in office. May I can't remember the date. Maybe May fourth or May fifth. Two thousand and. One. And we endeavored as a church, similar to our push to get a lot of gospel tracks out, we decided to have a day where we tried to preach the gospel as many times as possible on one Sunday all across our city there in Chicago and suburbs as we could. I think I preached six or seven or eight times that Sunday. We had buses of people coming into a community center and I would preach the gospel and we have another bus come in. and just all day. I just preached message after message after message after message. And you can ask my wife. She was there. The words that I kept saying every time we had another group of, of families and people coming to hear the gospel, I said to the workers, let's find one more. Let's find one more. Just, just one more person that we can tell the, tell the message of the gospel to today. Just one more. And just one more and just one more and one more. And all day, man, we got to find one more. A few hundred people that day. Because we were searching for one more. Christian, may we seek for just one more. And realize that it is God's prerogative to use that person to whatever ability he wishes to do. But our job is to bring glory to God. And to honor him. Let's pray together. Lord, so often we fail you. Lord, I wish that I could say tonight that there were many times that I've argued with you about sharing Christ. And I've always given in and finally done so. But Lord, I'd be lying tonight. Lord, many times that I never gave out that gospel tract. Many times I never spoke a word for Christ or never shared my testimony when I could have. Lord, I thank you that Philip found Nathaniel. He found that one. Lord, as we think of that, I believe with all my heart tonight that every one of us can find somebody that you can use our unique testimony. Lord, we don't have to have a great skill or great training. Lord, I believe we ought to sharpen our our weapon and we ought to be the best we can be for you. But Lord, I love the fact that we see the woman at the well immediately after she believed she was finding people to bring to you. Lord, would you use us? God, would you help us? Lord, I pray tonight as we pause for a time of invitation, Lord, that we be yielded. That this week, as you speak to our hearts, Lord, as I know you will, Lord, as you convict us about those that we could share Christ with, Lord, I pray that we'd be willing to do so. Lord, would you bless us and help us tonight. In your precious name we pray. Amen.